Whether you're talking about the COVID crisis or not, when it comes to business, two things are extremely important. Network, community, and mindset. And in this episode, Danny McMillan from the UK is dropping some knowledge bombs on us on all of those topics. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan. And at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the AM PM podcast. We're glad that you're here today. We're super excited about the content, the topics, and the guests that we have today. Today, we're coming to you with Danny McMillan all the way from, I almost said London, but you're not necessarily in London, are you? No, I'm, I'm originally from London, born and raised, but um, I live in a little village now, so I decided to move out. So if you live in the village, they call you like the city boy and give you a hard time. Like if I moved from Alabama to like Manhattan, would it kind of be the same thing? Yeah, of course. But, you know, I'm quite happy to take that when you've got beautiful farmland around you, you know. So I'm, I'm up for a bit of banter. So it's no, no problem. For gotcha. Me. So do you feel like you moved up or moved down like in society? Because my entire experience with like England is Downton Abbey, right? Which I'm sure is a completely perfect you know, example, and I can, you know, portray all that. So, you know, when I think of like my Downton Abbey folks, they're, they're more squirish, a little bit more highfalutin, but not as cool as Londoners. Is that still about right? Well, it, it depends on where you're from. Like, like I'm, I'm, I come from humble beginnings. Okay. So there's a big stretch from being from a council estate, which is, you know, you call them hood or boroughs or wherever you are in the U.S., and then moving out from the the city, from tower blocks and stuff. I mean, I'm going back years and years, you know. Sure. Uh, we only moved here last year, but we lived in a nice, respectable area uh, last year, but we wanted to move further out. So now when I open my doors, my windows, it's farmland all the way around, whereas before it was a built-up area. So there, there's the change there. But if we talk about where I came from, you know, originally from a child to now, that's a paradigm shift in terms of where we are today. So right now you are doing a lot of cool things in the e-commerce space, right? You've been selling e-commerce for a number of years. You host your own podcast. You have a large audience. You're you're kind of a I don't know if you like the term guru or not. I know it's turned into a bad term. <laughs> but yeah, no, give I'm us the anti-guru. If you if the you anti-guru. Like. So give me like the three minutes of uh, of explanation. Like what was the biggest? You called it a paradigm shift already to transition you from where you were. You know your humble beginnings in life, where you started to being you know, flexible enough and financially stable enough to uh, go from London and become a country squire and, and kind of living the dream? Uh, I think what it came down to really is when you come from like my background, um, there's no financial education. And so poor people would generally say to you, rich people are bad or they're evil. And it's, it's, in, it's like an ingrained thing, uh, which is a complete lack of understanding. And it weren't until I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I realized in that book, I think it was 2011. So it wasn't that long ago. It was like nine years. But my mindset towards and my relationship with money changed heavily then when it basically said in there, money will amplify who you are. So if you are a good person, you'll do good things, you amplify that money. If you're not, 
you're going to be unbearable to deal with. So it, it was just kind of pointing out that the the byproduct of, product of having money doesn't make you a bad person. And I think part of that becomes ingrained, and that's very common if you live in a council estate and you know you're working class and you 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 know you work on building sites and you may not have like, a, a good level of education. I mean, when I left school, I left school at fifteen, but I had no real education. I could barely read and write when I left school. And uh, I was on a life support machine. So I, uh, 15 and three months, you could start work uh, like part-time and stuff. So you get your uh, agreement, like for the government over here, you're able to get your what's called your national insurance code. And uh, I was working at the British Gas Building in London and we had uh, plasterboards that were doing suspended ceilings and stuff. And I pulled down the sheeting and half a tonne of plasterboards collapsed on me so for me that was a you know it's like a massive game changer I was on a a life support machine for a number of days had about 20 percent chance of of living and that was a real wake-up call if you like for me um to wanting to do what I wanted to do next you know um but yeah there's 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 a lot of parts of the story where where it got me here but the upgrades come through different pockets in life Man, that's I didn't know that about you. That's crazy. So you went from life support, barely able to read and write, like, you know, very, I would even say almost sub blue collar, you know, like not a whole lot of, as industry would, would identify, not a whole lot of future potential. And obviously that hasn't no. happened. And I know there's a lot of things that you learn. There's a lot of great sage wisdom you've got, probably a whole lot of information, you know, from the school of hard knocks, so to speak. But yeah. I also know that one of the biggest influences that you've had has been connections. Yes. It's been connections to other people. It's been relationships. When we're looking specifically at entrepreneurism, especially related to you know the largest mm-hmm. amount of this e-commerce, what has the the impact been on your e-commerce business from relationships? And how do you think that other people are missing out on those opportunities right now? I think uh, you know they say you're the average of the five people you most spend time with and they say you know and it's cheesy as it is they'll say your network is your net worth and if i go back to the music industry and you talk about community network and everything else it's imperative that you do networking in terms of if you want to grow things you grow as a person or you want to grow your business there isn't any other way around it than having a support network around you that you take care of them and they take care of they take care of you basically um so i built my whole music career on building good relationships that's how i grew up in the music industry and i brought that into everywhere in my life because people are important i'm inquisitive in terms i want to learn about people and people obviously fascinate me as well outside of business but one of the things that i'll give you an example is one of the major reasons that i started my podcast was the the opportunity to meet people like we over here in the uk it was very primitive compared to amazon fba in the us right if we're talking about the amazon community and the if you can't get on a flight and get out to see people or circulate with these people, the next best thing you can do is to bring them onto your podcast. And then you go from the podcast and then you go and speak at events and events you meet other people, they fly into the UK or I get flyed over to speak at other events. And, and it's a continuation uh, from there. And I think that's probably the one of the, the most important things that you can do for your business other 
than having the right model for your business. Does that make sense? It goes hand in yeah. hand. And a lot of times that model will develop based on your connections. I know a lot of people that want to have a business, they want to get started. They don't even know know how to model that, but they are influenced by people within their network and their community and their connections, which help evolve that that plan and that model. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that people are making right now or maybe opportunities people are missing by not actually taking time and proactively trying to advance their network? I think the biggest mistakes is you common hear it all the time where people, oh, yeah, they're just tapping each other on the back. They're going out and they're at these events. And when you go to these events, like I'll give an example. My agency only got started because I spoke at an event in Germany. And I would have never started a PPC agency unless Ellis had walked into my life. And Ellis has done a bigger, a massive amount of the algorithm work behind um, a leading software company. And I would have never got into that field unless someone like him who came along. I mean, he splits the atom. You know, he's an algorithm expert. He's a data scientist. And I'm like, I've built a business around him but he is like the thought leader within the business. Does that make sense? And that's all because I went to a conference. We struck up a conversation. We hung out for the rest of the week. We got on really well. He pitched me some ideas of software he's developing. I said, look, I'm not interested in getting into the PPC space. He's too fierce. But then when we broke it down and looked at the model, I was like, okay, now we've got a differentiator. Now we've got something that's blue ocean. Now we can stand, stand out from the pack. Now we've got a route to market. And everything was there for the taking to be put into place. So, But that didn't happen because you had a good business model. That happened because you got on a plane and went and met some strangers, right? Yeah, because I started a podcast. The people listening to the podcast, I grew an audience. They invited me to speak. I speak at this place in Germany and I meet uh, an American person who's been living in Germany for the last 20 years who's listened to the podcast, come to me and said, really like what you do. And so it's, all that stuff kind of becomes very organic but it happens over a period of time and that's the power of network, you know? Yeah. And network doesn't necessarily mean you go to an e-commerce conference or an entrepreneur conference. This can happen online. Uh, one of my past guests on the podcast here was Rodrigo Blanco in Guatemala. And I met him at 2am on a Facebook group. I met Manny Coates the very first time with a random post in a Facebook group. So there's definitely ways of, of, you know, fulfilling this need and this requirement, I think, to be involved in network and create your network. And it doesn't always have to be in person. Now, I do think that in person is very important. Some of the yeah. best relationships I've ever had were sitting, uh, you know, started by sitting at a random dinner table with a stranger, going to a, a random conference, a random free meetup, like all these things. And you've already alluded to it before. You said when you first got started in this space and trying to network, there wasn't a whole lot where you're at. You know, the UK wasn't like a, a den of meetups for Amazon sellers. You were having to go find those other places. And you're one of the kind of forefront frontiersmen. I don't know if you if that's the right way to say it, but you're one of the leaders in the space in the UK for starting live meetups and live events in the UK, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say I was started, you know, we won't be the first or last people to start events, but my mindset back then, 2015, we have to build an infrastructure. My thing was to innovate. It's like Let's do what they do in the US, but do it in the UK, but find a way of doing it. And I'm not scared of doing stuff to lose money or break even in order to play down the road in year three, year four. That's where my vision comes in. You know, everything I look at, I play the long game. I'm happy to sit on the long check. 
we did back in 2015 and 16, we were putting on these meetups, you know, like the meetup.com. We innovated the the process because I come up with the concept. It's like, let's bring people in, give it to them for free. We'll bring in some sponsorship. We'll do free beer, free pizzas and stuff like that. So we were able to get going uh, projects that way and used to do monthly meetups and that become a model after that. The only problem with that model is that people come in for pizza and they're coming for beer and there was a higher churn rate and this is where I moved out of that space. So um, I would say what we done realistically was we set a bar and we'll carry on setting the bar even higher because I I want the education for people in the UK to be on par with what's going on in the US if we can, you know. And this was all happening while you were running your e-commerce business. And yeah. I'm going to make a, a speculation here, but you weren't doing these networks and these meetups as necessarily a revenue stream. This wasn't a business. You know, like you said, there are probably a lot of times you lost money. I've done meetups. I've done workshops where I lost my butt. But the relationships and the education and the experience and all those things more than made up for it. So I think that's extremely powerful. So all of this was going on. You started to understand, you know, over the past several years, the power of connections, the power of relationships, the power of community, and COVID-19 smacked us in the face. You know, last year I traveled 250,000 miles on an airplane, actual miles. And this year I was probably going to surpass that. And my last big trip was with you in London. I got right. London this January and COVID-19 happened. And I remember all of the events, the the, the workshops, the networking, the, the meetups that were planned for March, April, May, June, and it all came to a screeching halt. And it was brutal, especially, you know, I had my own meetups, you had your own meetups and you've got sponsors involved and it was, it was a big struggle, but for uh, people that aren't even involved in the event space, the networking space, and they were just going to be attendees, they were going to miss out because, you know, they get their fill, they get recharged, they get, you know, fueled up by these events. So one of the things that, that you did is, I don't know how this happened. I'd like to hear the story of how this happened, but one day I saw this post where you said, Dead gummit. I'm every time I say dead gummit, people like Bradley uh, Sutton make fun of me for being a, a redneck. But dead gummit, I'm going to go live every day on Facebook, and I'm going to bring guests on, and we're going to have content every single day through the heart of this pandemic. Tell me how that idea happened. Tell me how that that kind of evolved and became what it was. So basically, it started off with me opening my big mouth. Didn't know how long the <laughs> pandemic was going to be on for, and I'm like, look. Right now, I think it was, we've had this conversation off call before, but you know, it's like, I think when the pandemic hit, week one is everyone's feeling out what's going on, right? So I got the first few days in, I've got three businesses to manage. Yeah. So what happens, you're spinning those plates, COVID hits, and then you've, your attention is on all of these things. I was just speaking at an event in uh, Prague and I was watching as the hotel was closing and closing more and more flights were shutting down this is before UK shut down I shut down two weeks before it all hit because I see what was happening in Prague so once I see that I took my daughter out of school my wife worked from home as well and they're, they're still here now um, which is another great reason to live in the countryside is very beneficial there but getting back to, to that, it was like, okay, we're around seven days a week now. The community is going to be split in half. You're going to have people that are going to be making money in the pandemic and people are losing money. There's a lot of Amazon sellers out there doing seven figures that have pushed the needle in terms of their um, speculation, in terms of their cash flow, and they don't have cash on end. I do. 
I've got three diversified business because everything around me collapsed in about 2010. And I said, I'll never go back there. That's why I got diversified income and I always retain cash in the bank based on a set of metrics. So my thing was, what can we do here? It's like help the community and it's also good for you as well, meaning me. It's like from a selfish point of view, I get to chat with people seven days a week at 4 p.m. BST, right? We just didn't know how long it was going to go on for. Um, and so from that, it was therapy for me, still managed to connect and, and speak to everyone in the space and people get to look over the shoulder and check out the content. And it went really, really well. And then I think last week, uh, we didn't get to 80 episodes. We got to 77 episodes, consistent episodes in a row. Uh, we took a break uh, once, you know, last Tuesday it was when we had Blackout Tuesday. And I'm very much, I go on my gut and from where I'm from and everything else, it was like, no, I'm going to be supporting this. So I wasn't thinking about 80, hitting 80. Does that make sense? I was like, yeah, it felt right. So we did it. Yeah. But you went 77 days in a row. And for those of yeah. you who are doing math, you now understand how far advanced we have to film these things from the time they're released with all the editing. But yeah, right now, June 9th is where uh, recording this. You went up until last week, 77 days straight. And I was on several of those and they usually went well over an hour. I mean, you probably have 120 hours of content that you guys put out. So in a time when people, you know, needed that fuel, needed that recharge, needed that, that connection community networking and, and couldn't have it. What do you think the effect was when people are able to have not necessarily that that handshaking communication connection, but at least see faces and see collaborations and see these conversations. Because I know the format of what you're doing is very kind of open-ended. We get on and we never knew what we were going to talk about. We just started talking. A lot of times there's a group of us. So it'd be me and Steve Simonson and Norm, and we just have conversations. So how important do you think that type of format was for people to see and hear and understand and learn? Because you were getting the feedback, we weren't. Yeah. So basically it's raw. Yeah. So it goes out unedited. You know, I won't swear on this show. I'm, I've got a potty mouth and it's raw. It's real. And I think what that did is that we're able to introduce newer content like uh, Mindset Sundays. And we would talk about so much stuff, go like in depth. We'll talk about everything from, you know, narcissistic people to uh, fear and dealing with uh, imposter syndrome and all these different things. And I think what's come out of it is that it's very easy to put a nice um, shine on something and package it up and send it out the door. But I think what we've done was very raw. And I, the messages, the private messages reflect that. I'm not one to like post up on Facebook, you know, such and such said they were, they found that episode heartfelt. That's not my style. That's private information, but that's part of your motivation to keep going that, you know, you're doing things the right way is when you get that level of feedback on a regular basis, people thanking you, especially it's like, um, you know, uh, mental health issues that people had. Like I know that the private messages, some of those shows has helped people through mental health issues financial issues where they're able to get inspiration from the show and implement some of the techniques and strategies and what was discussed on the show. So people felt also they had somewhere that they can go to on a, on a daily basis as their little haven. You know, they could ask their questions. They know it's Yeah, real, that was their break, their time off and their, yeah, yeah their, their connection. Yeah. So, so one thing about me and the, the folks that I work with uh, on a regular basis know that I'm a really good strategist, a really good visionary. 
sometimes organization is weak. In fact, let me rephrase that. I suck at organization. It's terrible. I'm the worst at it. And and you've already said it a couple times, but you said, you know, this thing kind of happened by accident. You opened up your big mouth. You know, you didn't you didn't go into this like with a full-fledged plan. And you're also operating all these independent businesses, so you, so you had to juggle time. So when something like this happens, and we as entrepreneurs run into this all the time, like we load more on our plate than we can handle, than, than what we think we can handle at least. And you have just committed to going live on Facebook for at least an hour every day for 77 days. And what people don't understand is that's not just an hour. Like the days that you brought me on, six, eight hours before then, you're coordinating, you're organizing, you're setting up the social media content. So for every hour of content that was live, there was probably three additional hours of preparation. So four hours a day, you know, probably for 77 well, yeah, days. I, I'll be honest with you. The way it would work is very, very simple is because it all gets published to the podcast. I've got a team around me. The bit I do is on a Sunday, I'll sit down and I will work out just in text editor um, what shows we're going to do, who's appearing this week. Then I make up a private Facebook group on Messenger and say, hey, can you do Wednesday? And then just title it Wednesday and it'll be Tim, Steve, you know, whoever, Lee Rand, whoever's in there. And, uh, yeah, it was just like I'll put that together on a Sunday. Sometimes that people can't make it and there's a bit of fiddling around. But other than that, on StreamYard, it's 10 minutes to write a quick description and a thumbnail. You know, that I'll do all right. That so you're morning. you're trying to make it sound easy, but it's not. And my point is, it was say, a lot of work. Yeah, but you know what was easy is that being having when you do a um, almost like a panel, right? Um, there's so many different voices there. So if someone can't make it, someone else steps in, and it keeps the that flowing. The other thing yep. is, as much as I try and use newer people, we would rotate guests, which makes it a bit easier to do, you know to do as well. So we almost had like our staples on a weekly yep. basis. I think you know the failed product one that we had a bit of fun with. I think we've done five of those shows once a week, and you were on two of those with me, right? Um, and then we might do off Amazon or I do one with Steve Simonson. And, and so Mindset Sunday is a, is a definite. And then on Saturday is uh, Women of Amazon. And so there's there's like themes in place, which makes those things a lot easier. But if it's in a traditional sense where you're you're coming up with content, because it's raw, because it's live, and because people can swear and do what they want. Like earlier on today, we recorded, I had a power cut in the village. I've gone offline. I've got Kian and uh, Sharon carrying on. And then, uh, what is it? Kian's front door went, maybe UPS or someone. So he's up. Do you know what I mean? That's, it's just really bizarre. But I think people love that. They just love the yeah. rawness of it. And then what you do is you make a joke of it. So it's, it's very flexible. And uh, there's a couple of times when it's like it's 10 to 4 UK time and I haven't got a guest and I'm messaging frantically in the background in Messenger. But we've always managed to to pull it off in, if we intentionally went to go on the show. You know? So, uh, you know, you're still telling me how easy this was. And I just keep hearing about, you know, more things. Oh, last minute, you know, all this stuff. So here's my question. We as entrepreneurs that do load ourselves up and, and we have too much going on, uh, a lot of times we have a hard time pulling that off and executing it. So what's your mindset? What's your process? What's your your strategy to deliver these big projects over a long period of time and get stuff done. Because the truth is there are a lot of entrepreneurs with great ideas. I was just on a, on a leadership call with sellers funded guys and, and Ricardo was talking about somebody 
who you know has these great ideas, wants uh, a lot of financial support, but doesn't have any sales. And he said that's kind of typical of entrepreneurs. Like you have these great ideas, but can't execute. So, uh, what is your advice to people on how to reset their mindset, how to focus, how to stay relevant and tactical in executing these large projects? Okay, so first things first, you've got to say no to about 99% of everything. Which I'm terrible at. Yeah, so I'm good at saying no to stuff, but I try and do it in the politest way possible and not shut down that communication path. I just say, look, I've got too much on and I won't be able to deliver on it. The second thing is you've got to have, what's your goals, right? Some people chase a pound note. They love money, yeah? I can't get out of bed in the morning for a pound note. For me, it comes down to three things. It's like, uh, does, does it make meaning, right? Uh, does it make me happy? Will it make me money? And they have to fall into that criteria, all of those three, but in that order. It doesn't matter when the money comes. It just knows at some point in the future it will come. And so, and so that's how I make my decisions. And then beyond that is your team. Your team is everything. If you've got a great team, you get out of their way. And that's it, really. Like I work, generally work on the businesses, not in the business. So I put out all the fires. I deal with all the problems. I like you. I like to visualize. I like to sit down and visualize the project. Right. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Does this break ground? Does it give meaning? What's it going to be different to everyone else? You know, I think of all of those things and I articulate that to the team. I get buy-in from the team. We go forward. So it's a consistent filter process. You know, I think the problem that people have execution problems is generally they, like you said, they overload. They don't, um, they don't have their meaning behind it. They say yes to everything. Therefore, they spread themselves too thin, even if they're only um, working on the businesses. You can still uh, take on too much stuff because the decision fatigue as well. That's yeah. another thing, you know. So, what about days when you're just not feeling it? Like there, there are days like, like I just do not want to log in and check my sales. There's days I do not want to have meetings. There's days I don't want to get out of bed, you know, but you know, we have to as entrepreneurs. I think that that whole concept of the four hour work week is very misunderstood. You know, I won't say it's ridiculous because I think there are some, some concepts of, you know, outsourcing and prioritizing and, you know, not doing the work shift. But for the most part, I've never met a successful entrepreneur that works four hours a week. It just doesn't happen. So where do you find, you've already mentioned motivation a little bit, you know, as, as long as you're focusing on a project that kind of fills a requirement of those three things, you know, but, but how do you motivate yourself beyond that? You know, like give us some short-term hacks, mindset tricks, like, like g- give me something I can use. Give me a nugget right now for what the next time I'm dragging. Okay. So the, the thing is, I'll, I'll give you two examples. One is the first example goes back to what I said, does it make meaning? So if you're passionate about something, it's a lot easier to get out of bed in the morning. If someone waves a check under my nose and I hate the person or hate the process or despise anything to do with that, and I'm running to take the check, I can't get out of bed in the morning. But if I'm passionate about something, is is that reason. Two is you've got to find stuff that motivates yourself. So let me give you an example. The, the We just done the Branded by Women Conference, right, which is a summit. Originally, it was meant to take place September 11th uh, in London. And so I spoke to someone and, and was like, okay, I've never done a summit before. And, and I was thinking to myself, right, I'm a bit drawn out. Like in terms of like it's very easy to have a team go on WeChat, WhatsApp, getting them to do stuff. But what is going to get me motivated? And I, and there's meaning behind doing that project anyway. I didn't need motivation. 
for it, right? But the the other thing is, is when you put your money up and put your name up against it, there's nothing quite like that, knowing that you let yourself down and everyone else down. That, that What you do is so you scare yourself into it. It's like, okay, I've never done a summit before and we're going to deliver this in seven weeks. So put a five or six person team together and delivered on a summit in seven weeks and I've never done a summit before, put a load of cash up, put my name against it, and, and that's where it took us. Now, that fear is the motivation, the fear of failure and everything else. Does that make sense? So it, it, sometimes you have to trick yourself into doing stuff to get that motivation going. But, but that fear can also be scary because a lot of times that fear is what holds people back. Yeah, there's, or adrenaline. Yeah, there's the, the adrenaline. It's like you, you want to scare, you scare yourself enough that you have to drink from the man, man the whatever cup up. You know, you drink from that yeah. cup and you know that when you wake up in the morning, you know that you, you're carrying a project that if you don't get up this morning, you're going to let everyone down, including But yourself. I still think you have to take it easy because I know myself, I'll speak for myself. There's a lot of times when, you know, I am putting my name on stuff, whether it's something public like this or whether it's a product, you know, a product launch and I'm not sure if it's going to work or this new business idea or, you know, whatever it is, even if it's not the huge public going to see it, it's my wife or my friends or my business partners or my, you know, and there are a lot of times when I have actually withheld on something because that fear actually stopped me. So I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing, but I think there is a fine line between, Hey, like I've committed, I have to prove that, that, you know, I'm going to overcome this, this potential failure, you know, or this fear of potential failure. And you have to balance that with, Hey, you can't have so much fear lined up that you're not going to do it. Because I think that, you know, you and I, you and I are very aggressive. All right. People, people call me insane, the stuff that I come up with, but I know that there are a lot of people, I have people in my coaching program right now that have been looking at one product for like four months. Like you validated it, like crap or get off the pot. You got to move forward. And maybe there's a timing. Maybe what you and I are both saying are valid points, but the timing is different. So maybe the fear is a problem. And I'm just speculating here, but maybe the fear is a problem at the beginning before you commit. But once you commit, that fear becomes a driving factor. Because if you had the fear of, I don't know if I can pull this thing off in, in seven weeks, it might stop you. But once you committed and said, we're going to do it, I've publicly announced it holy crap, there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. Now that fear becomes a strength, which, and of course, we're just speculating live. I've never thought about this, but maybe maybe there's a lot of truth in the fact that the fear, the thing that holds us back the most, could actually become one of our biggest tools and one of our biggest driving forces. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that same thing again. You've got to find the motivation, right? So like I'm talking about doing a, so let me talk about some of the risks I mitigated. Now I've never done a summit before, but my developers have put 15 of them together. So I said, you're going to need to hold our hands and I'll do the rainmaking stuff. I'll speak to the sponsors. I'll get the speakers involved. I'll get all the, the, the channels set up in terms of marketing because we've done national press campaign, we've done press release distribution, we've done YouTube ads, we've done Facebook ads, we've done uh, affiliate marketing, we set up with TikTok and um, TikTok and who else was it? Uh, Instagram as well in terms of going down those channels. We're, we're dialing in our, our, um, our signups as well, so our email drip campaigns and everything. But I just I put a team together and 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 just basically went to it. So I suppose you can scare yourself into doing stuff because you haven't done it before, but then you're entrusting people. So well, he's done fifteen of them. If he holds my hands, 
we'll work our way through it. So there is something taken off the plate there. It's not like I've turned around and said, all right, I'm scared of heights and I'm going to jump out of a plane, you know, and I'm going to prepare myself for that because that is something I won't do. Don't care how scared you may think I am or not, you're never getting me going up ladders or jumping out of planes for no love, no money. Does that make sense? But <laughs> yep. I'll, put, I'll put a load of cash up and my name up against something as speculation is like, right, that's my window and I've got to hit the numbers. I've got to do what I need to do to make that a success. So you, you are weighing up some of it, but the point was is that I think within COVID, people were lounging around and freezing and didn't know what to do. And momentum is everything. I think what people forget is that no matter how much money you have, you can be the richest person in the graveyard. But I think what happens is people think they get money and then that's when the happiness comes. Well, happiness comes from progress and momentum. And so I felt the need of mid-COVID is like, I'm getting a bit stale here. I need to get motivated. I need to do stuff. Why don't I do this? Scare myself, do go into the unknown, get the adrenaline running and deliver on this project. Does that make sense? So I wasn't going total like death, death nil into like being absolutely scared. Yeah. Makes complete sense. That's awesome. So it's about time we need to, we need to kind of wrap this thing up because people start losing attention and then I get complaints all the time. Make them shorter. My brother-in-law, who's not in e-commerce, he sent me a text message the other day. Hey, uh, have you done any market research to see if shorter podcast episodes would be popular? <laughs> I want to slap him. No, of course we've done that. Anyways, but before we wrap up, let me just ask you this. You're talking to tens of thousands of listeners right now right? We are finally like starting to see some of the end of the light from the, the initial lockdown. I'm not going to say end of the light from the COVID pandemic, and there may be additional lockdowns later in the year, but, but the, the sun is kind of rising for a lot of people. You know, just yesterday, you guys know when we record this, just yesterday, New York City started unlocking. I know other countries are. What would you tell people that are, uh, let's just say e-commerce entrepreneurs right now that have been waiting to see how the environment played out? Because I know a lot of people were being a little bit timid, you know, they didn't know how the economy was going to react stuff. But but you're talking to tens of thousands of listeners right now. We're starting to come out of the the initial COVID lockdown phase. What would you tell people to inspire them, encourage them, and tell them to get their butts in gear and keep moving? It's all down to mindset. Some of the best companies were built in a recession and a downturn. Don't you know? Don't think for one second we're not going to enter some level of recession. But it all comes down to your mindset. Like I said to you, week one, I buttoned down the hatchet, dealt with a load of stuff, had to make some real serious decisions. And then I said to you and I said to others, whilst everyone's on defense, I'm on offense. And it all comes down to your mindset. You've got to go out there and do your best, right? You need to to look at like, when everyone's around you and they're furloughing their staff and their mind is like, okay, let's go back into the hole. but don't think like that. Think creatively. Think of, well, while everyone's doing that, if I do this, there's less competition. So I'm not saying burn through cash. I'm not saying being using stupidity. Yeah, don't be Stu reckless. Don't be, don't be you know. reckless. But, but the way that you think of stuff, like my accountant says to me, she looks after three of my businesses. She said, you're the only person I've spoken to who seems up, upbeat and not at to tear me a new one because they want to blame their account and they want to furlough all their staff. And they went, do you want to furlough anyone? I went, no chance, not, not 
a million chance in the world. I'd rather create a new service or sell another product than think like that. That's just a choice. That is just an absolute mindset thing. And this is what it comes down to. And people might listen to go, he's crazy, blah, blah, blah. But try it. You know, try and think about it. It's like instead of thinking about, you know, oh, well, we won't do this and we'll we'll back off our marketing budget. Think about, well, actually, what about if I do push? What about if there are customers out there? What about if I do come up with that? So I definitely think it comes down to a mindset thing without a shadow of a doubt. Get your confidence in there. Think about what you want to do. If you've got a good idea, put some money behind it and go for it. And like we talked about before, you know, make sure that you're you're leaning on your brothers and sisters in the community, you know, whether it's a bunch of strangers in the Facebook group or a local meetup that you have or, or you know, anybody else that's an entrepreneur. I tell people, you know, the network that we're talking about, you know, especially in this episode is not, unfortunately, your friends and family. It's not. It's a very different network. When we're talking about business growth and we're talking about entrepreneurism, many of us don't have commonality within our family and friends. You know, my, I, I, I kid you guys not, my wife has never listened to a single podcast episode I've ever done. From, you know, back in the day when I was doing Legion Radio to all the ones I've been a guest on to any of these. And she may never, she has no interest in it. So even if I'm close with my family, my my close friends, that's not the same as a business network and a business circle. So make sure you're doing that because, you know, if if you're going to push the needle like like Danny here is talking about, it's not always safe to go at it alone. But there are a lot of people out there that are willing to help you, support you, that you can learn from and and hopefully you can teach them as well. It goes back to the rich dad, poor dad thing. You know, as a kid being brought up, my my mentality would have been completely different by what people feed around you, right? So going back yep. to the network thing, imagine going somewhere and, and speaking to people that inspire you and say, you can do this, or have you tried this? Or what about if I open this door for you, right? That's a lot different than maybe a family member go, oh, you know, Dan, it's a recession, you know, play it safe, you know, don't spend any money, don't do that, don't get new clients, keep hold of what you got. And yep. and that can be fed into you. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it's how you look at it. Take information. I filter out 95% of the information. I love getting information in, but I will discard 95% of it because there's always something that's going to go, that works. But you have to apply heavy filter into it and and take these decisions onto yourself. And it might just be that over time, you know, like I have a ton of failures behind me and I've got to the point where it doesn't really matter. As long as it's not fatal and you live to fight another day, it's worth having that punt. It's worth putting something behind it. But But obviously think about what you're doing and include, you know, how you see things in terms of your mindset. Amen. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of AMPM Podcast. I'm going to ask a just completely open, solicited favor. If you like this podcast, if you like the content that we've done in past episodes, if you like this episode, you like what Danny's brought to the table for us, go ahead and review this podcast. We've been looking at some metrics on the uh, on the podcast, and the more reviews you get, it's kind of like e-commerce products, the more it's shown to other people. So whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, whatever it is, drop a thumbs up, a likes. And uh, if you would be so kind, it would be amazing if you leave a review. That would be awesome. Good or bad, we want to hear it all. You know, if if we're doing something terrible, that negative review is going to help us adjust it to what you guys want to hear. So Danny, thank you so much for being on. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they find you? 
Easy, just go to sellersessions.com or drop me an email to danny at sellersessions.com. Awesome. Thank you, Danny. It's been awesome getting to know you over the past, especially year, but probably a year or two. And I cannot wait to come back to London and hang out again when all this stuff passes by. We've got some, uh, some catching up to do for sure. Definitely. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode. We'll see you guys on the next one.